Hey, Jerry. <clears throat> hey, J-Rob. You know what time it is? It's uh, a time I've been looking forward to all week. It's time for Jerry and J-Rob Cover It All. It is. And it's hot. It is beyond hot, bro. It is. I'm, I'm using slang now. <laughs> That's how hot it is. I'm, I don't even have coffee in front of me today, and I always yeah. yell at people that can't drink hot coffee on a hot day. It's never too hot to have coffee. That's true. That's true. I'm a little dehydrated. I had to get something else yeah. a while ago, but, but uh, coffee will be on board shortly. So, uh, Fourth of July weekend, last weekend. Did you have a good one? We did. It was also hot. And uh, you guys went to the beach this last week. What'd you do there? Uh, well, we took the grandbaby, so everything was an adventure. Fun. And we had a lot of fun. She got to dip her toes in the ocean for the first time, and we went to the aquarium, checked out the, the USS Lexington, and oh, that's cool. ate lots of shrimp. Yeah. Well, uh, this is not just some strange cue card guy sitting next to us today. This is our, our show guest. You this look, guy? This guy. You look like you know him. A little bit. Yeah? Yeah. We're here today with Mr. Jason Jewett. Jason Jewett, former Hot Sauce Thursday companion of mine. Mr. I like that. Yeah, you like the mister. I like the mister. <laughs> I feel special now. Yeah. Well, very good. You got to speak up a little bit, though. You can't, you can't. Yes. I yes, know this is a struggle, and the ADHD is running off the chart right yes. now. But that's okay. You're gonna. You're doing good. So far, you're doing great. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, anyway, I'm gonna Jason, have to carry the whole show, aren't I? You're yes. gonna. Have to, I mean, <laughs> saddle up, buddy. It's coming. Yes. Uh, very good. So, Jason, you're here today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for coming on. I've asked you to come on a while back and share your story with us because you have a unique story that I have little to do with, but I know of, and it's pretty cool, pretty pretty nifty. First off, tell us about yourself. What you know? Are you married? Do you got kids? At I'm least one. Married to the wonderful and talented Mrs. Michelle Jewett. Yeah, she is talented. over there looking at me. Giving you the glare. Giving me the glare. Okay, that's all right. Um, well, you did talk I, uh, about trading the scat pack off for a hybrid. I, oh, I did. That almost did. got you I off the show, set buddy. The tone. Uh, can't trade the scat pack, apparently, if I want to stay married. Well, I just can't quite see her face. That's probably a good thing. She, yeah, I can hide yeah, behind you just, Jerry. <laughs> you just keep pushing through right now. The, I don't feel the heat, you know. Right, right, right. Um, I have three wonderful children okay, and seven grandchildren currently. Okay. And how are you so employed these days? I am a livestock deputy at Burnett County Sheriff's Office. At the Burnett County Sheriff's Office. Well, very good. So for you folks that don't know, Jason and I used to work at a local federal agency and um, worked some things there that can't talk so much about but anyway we did things for the government there, was, there were things there that were things that were done fun things sometimes they were fun sometimes they're sometimes not so they fun. were not so fun yeah. yeah yeah that's with every job it's fun until it becomes work right that's true no matter how cool the job is that's eventually true. it becomes work if they're paying you for it yeah all right let's stay focused buddy all right <laughs> Anyway, uh, Jason here, back in 2017, and I don't recall the time, but I know that I was asleep in bed, and I think it was about midnight, maybe 1. Does that sound accurate? Maybe a little later? Uh, I think it all started about 10 p.m., but by the time I called you, it was probably, probably a little bit later. Right, yes. right. So I get a text message from Jason at whatever time it is. It's late, and it says, hey. I was in a fun fight. <laughs> and I look at it because he woke me up because I didn't turn my phone off. Because things happen sometimes. You have to, did you have to squint and reread I looked at it and times. I go, In all the times you can have a fat thumb, that's said, the moment I have. What? And I thought, man, he's probably sending me something stupid because you, 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 you do send a lot of stuff. Yes. That's yes. ridiculous. I share. Sti I still do. You like, still do. Yeah, yes. there's, there's no doubt about it. 
So I have to look at some things and think, okay, it just woke me up for no reason, Jason. What What is going on here? And then I thought, that doesn't sound right. Either he's highly intoxicated or something else is going on. And I don't even drink, so that's, that's, the, that's right. the first one. That's so. right. So eventually I decide to call you. And I call you and you tell me I was not in a fun fight after all. It was not fun. There's no pillows involved. There's no slapping of no water guns. Nothing. No, no, nothing fun at all. The I, F should have been a G. Should have been a G. It was. Yes. I was in a gunfight. Sounds like a T-shirt. Should have been a G. Yep. So, you <laughs> tell me kind of briefly what happened, right? And I say, okay. You were at that point. Everything was over. You're already safe. Uh, the scene was taken care of at that point. And I said, okay, well, let me start calling some people for you. So I started calling some uppers to respond because they didn't know. And nobody else was going to respond to the fun fight text. No, not a single person on my team. You're the only person that even apparently read that or even thought anything of it. Right. Yes, you you used your detective skills. And I still remember vividly, which I appreciate, um, you remember things probably better than I did. My my brain was occupied with right. all sorts of things. But I remember you saying, "Did you did you call Cleet?" <laughs> and I, I just remember looking up and down the road and going, "Gosh, there's like dozens of police officers out here, and I don't know a single one." Yeah, might be a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Good so idea. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, very good, very good. So, like I said, by the time you called me and we were having the conversation, everything was kind of at its. Uh, finality as far as that incident going so so tell me what happened i mean i i know the story more or less but tell our viewers kind of what what took place well i you know this is the the difficult part is regurgitating all the details because i've kind of gotten to the point where i've been through lots of therapy yep you know and i'm kind of behind me so it's kind of like every time i have to reach back into and pull it out um Anyways, the overview is I was driving home. We'd been at work, and we got cut loose and actually drove to softball fields. I coached softball, and I was watching the remainder of a, a scrimmage that I'd scheduled. And after that, I then got in the car and headed towards the house, which is why I was driving home so late. A uh, short distance from my house, I saw a car on the shoulder on the opposite side of the road, and I saw a car that was... Uh, off in the ditch and so my first thought was well gosh somebody had been in a wreck so I kind of slowed down and looked and was like is everybody okay you know just kind of the almost kept driving right almost kept driving because it's like you know I want to get home I was right. close to home and I wanted to be there um, but then I saw somebody running that caught my attention so somebody running from one car towards the other car, and I thought running means, uh-oh, somebody Somebody's might hurt. be hurt, yeah, right? So right. I turned around, pulled up, rolled the window down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell some – there's pieces to this that are just kind of awe moments, right? But I rolled the window down to talk to the guy that was running. And he initially was reaching in the door, not realizing who it was. He, he thought I was his wife, and when he turned around, I startled him. So he then explained to me that this guy had just tried to run him off the road and in the process of trying to run him and his family, his wife and his son were in the car, run him off the road. I guess he wiped himself out and went off the road. So he was running over there to kind of, I think, confront the guy. At this point, I'm thinking maybe this guy's drunk. He, you know, I don't know, I don't know what's right. going on. Right. I'm just trying to soak up what's going on. So my first thought is what? I'm um, call 911, right? Right. Like, I'm off duty. I'm right. calling 911. So I called 911, put the phone back down in my seat. Okay. Remember that. I had a Jeep Cherokee that I was driving. Um, so, anyways, right about then, this guy starts driving back out off the road, and there was a driveway that went right in front of my car. So I kind of drove by in front of me, and I remember he was just focused in front. There again, I'm thinking this guy must be intoxicated. Um, Something. Let me interrupt. Something that's important to know is location, though. This I was is on. A very, yeah, I was on a little two-lane road, uh, middle of nowhere. There was no right. moon out that night. It was pitch black, dark, right. dark. So the only thing illuminating anything was just the headlights from the cars. That right. was it. I mean, there was no, no ambient light from any houses around or anything else. It's kind of ranches around there. 
Um, so as this guy pulls out, I'm thinking, be a good witness. Let's get a license plate and uh, just report to 911 what's going on. And the guy kind of pulled out in front of me, and I kind of turned around behind him. And he was driving back towards where the, the car was parked on the opposite side of the shoulder. So I kind of was driving up behind him, already focused on trying to get a license plate. And then he pulls off the shoulder and stops. So now we have a, a family car SUV on one side of the road and his car on the opposite side of the road. And we got two lanes of highway going between. Um, I kind of pull up in between, still in the, the correct lane. And at this point, I'm thinking, hey, this guy's going to stop and give information, cooperate, whatever. He's not going to run like I was initially right. thinking. Cops will be, get, be here in a minute. You'll be on your way. Yeah, yeah. No big deal. So in the meantime, I'm. he gets out of the car, and he's a tall, thin person, I think, like 6'5", 180, tall and thin. Um, and I remember seeing something in his hand, and I was kind of like, what is that? as I was looking at him, which is kind of a normal thing you do when you're in a situation like that. You're kind of scanning people, looking for, you know. But th then I notice he comes up and uh, make a long story short, he starts shooting at the family and things scatter, right? Right. I'm still not 100%. I went reverse, boom, you know, I'm hitting reverse. I'm backing up, kind of clearing the, the area a little bit. Um, the, uh, remember that. I'm, demonstrating here but remember right. that part that's an important part of the story later but um where it connects to the good lord right so these little things connect all together but anyways i i back up and as he shoots toward me i heard the lady screaming uh, he's got a gun which i was kind of looking and going yeah he's got something but just the way he, you know he held it was kind of obvious at that right. point but popped off i think a couple of rounds and then he popped off one towards me that was the deciding factor of i was still in i don't know what i just got that up in the middle of right. who's the good guys who's right. the bad guys i don't really know you know i just know that it's not happy place right now but when he shoots at me i'm thinking okay he doesn't know me so yeah. there's no reason to shoot at me right. so that's the bad guy right he's the guy with the gun and he's not defending himself at this point because i'm not doing anything too so anyways i backed up got backed up a little bit um got out of the car you know the the thought process there is i got to distract him from the family and get him to shoot at me as stupid as that sounds right hindsight i was like what was i thinking you know i'm getting him to shoot at me but that's honestly the the thought process if i distract him this direction part and of, he's part not of protecting them and he's not shooting yeah. at the at the kids which is um not the best but you know i went through how i'd been trained and I couldn't even tell you how many times I shot at him that direction. And then we, we kind of fell into a, uh, I got towards the back of my car, exited the car, got towards the back of the car. And, and I remember we were playing kind of a game of pop-up, you know, like peep out here, peep out there. And, and you know, I'm remember, remembering training. It's like shoot at what they give you kind of thing. So anything that popped out, I could see. But the problem is he was hiding behind the, the family's car not his own so he was hiding behind the family's car because of that i was afraid to shoot in that direction because i didn't know if anybody was still in the car and i honestly had a thought that he had shot somebody in the passenger seat that was still in there so i was trying to take careful shots around the car um at this point i, I kept moving around my car right and it, and then as i was at the passenger side of the car this strange voice comes over just uh, you know, that's what I remember thinking. I'm a one. Can I help you? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, you yes, can. You <laughs> I just happened to be hiding by the open window. Remember I was talking about the open window, right? right? You'd set that phone down in the I set the phone side. down. Well, it's hands-free. So it was beaming throughout the entire car. Oh, but luckily okay. enough, my window was open. And I was like, uh, yes, I'm in a shootout. And I need some help. So... While talking to dispatch through the window, I was still shooting back and forth and talking and, you know, having a, trying to explain to them what was going on while, oh, there he is again, I'm going to shoot back. Um, I didn't even could tell you whether he was shooting at me at this point. I just know every time I saw him, I shot at him. So he wasn't giving up. So um, this went on for a little bit. Um, 
I was explaining to the dispatcher at some point he comes out behind the SUV and kind of falls down and I'm not 100% why sure why but he was kind of kneeled down and I remember starting to have a conversation with him and I was yelling at him. And how, how far away are you guys at this point? We're probably 50 to 60 yards away so pretty from good each distance. other. Yeah, it didn't seem that far, but I was told later it was. So um, I'm yelling at him that I'm the police, giving him another opportunity to, to just let's stop this. You know, it's not fun. Um, and I remember him getting back up, kind of coming back up to his feet, still holding the gun. And I thought, well, here we go again. And I, I repeating my training in the head of staying off the car um, and, and you know that voice in my head was get on your sights get on your sights and I took very two very controlled shots where I felt like I was and he reacted to that Ugh, you know kind of made a noise he wandered off towards the car um, ran back behind the car I had never seen him again to this day so what happened is uh, I guess he I was still watching for him and, and like I said it was so pitch black that night that I couldn't see beyond the roadway maybe but five feet just from the ambient light of the cars so there was a good hundred yards of shoulder till you hit a tree line um, this whole time while this was going on there was still traffic driving between us there was actually somebody that stopped at some point next to the the victim's car and I, I remember waving them on because I was like uh, he's going to carjack you or something. You know, I, I just could get out of the area. Yeah. We're trying to have a gunfight here. You know, that was kind of the like, you're how rude. Just get out of the way, you know. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm being, being joking about it. But uh, the time of the 911 call, which took a, probably a minute or two before it actually connected somebody until the time uh, the first, I think, DPS trooper arrived, and there again, while this whole time I'm trying to watch for this guy to pop back out in the darkness because I was worried about him flanking me, seeing that. So I was trying to focus on his car. Don't let him get back to his car. Um, lots of things going for At one point, I went to the back of my car. I had a job box with all my, my raid gear and stuff. I did put on some Kevlar that said police on it because I didn't want to get shot by anybody responding. Um, trying to go through all these things of, you know, let's let's identify myself as the good guy here so i put on a, a, a bulletproof vest that had police on it um that was in my car i did have a shotgun and some other stuff in my car but I didn't feel comfortable taking my eyes off of the what was going on to dig down in there and get it you know um but the job box with all my kevlar red gear in it i felt like was the best cover so i popped the tailgate up um and kind of camped out there looking for this guy at some point in the darkness some guy starts yelling i got him i got him and of course at this point i don't know who that is like is this a trick is somebody trying to get me to come out in the darkness so i yelled back you know come this way and then that voice was yelling to me and this was pretty spooky granted at this point i'm i'm up here as far as uh scared <laughs> put it sure. simply i don't know yeah. how to do it because it you know, there's a reality you face when you're in a gunshot that, you know, you think about every story where the lucky guy just got a, you know, one round hits and that, that's, that's the one that matters, right? Um, so the whole time I'm, I'm worried about that one run coming out of nowhere in the darkness and getting me. So um, when the voice starts yelling at me, not knowing exactly what was going on, I'm yelling back like, and he, and he starts yelling, I got him. And I was like, he goes, I got the gun from him. I got the gun from him. And I, I'm like, don't, I remember very, being very specific. Don't bring that back over this direction, right? Cause there again, I don't really know the whole story. I don't trust anybody right now. I don't want anybody coming back approaching right. me. So the guy came back and I remember he threw the gun down. It was the father, the guy I had initially talked to by my window. Uh -huh. Um, I proned him out in the road and made him stay there, proned him out being like, you're an airplane on the, on the pavement, right? Um, the, uh, I made him stay there and then started, you know, he started telling me a story about how the guy crawled through the woods or through the, the bushes, bushes, tall grass would be the best description. It was like tall grass there, but he actually was explaining the guy was crawling through the grass and he kept getting closer to where he was hiding, right? 
and he got closer and closer and closer and he said he didn't know what to do because if he moved he'd been heard and he said at some point I just jumped out and jumped on top of him um, now side note on on father he he's a runs an athletic trainer he used to be a UFC fighter that's key which doesn't hurt yeah, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't <laughs> hurt because he finally made the decision, I'm going to jump out and I'm going to beat this guy in the face until he gets the gun away from him. And he did. I think by his description, he thought he broke his hand on the guy's face. I think that was the worst injury the person sustained at that point in time. But he did knock him unconscious, and he stayed that way until apparently he made it to the hospital. Um, while he was prone out, I finally got him up, and I told him to call out for his family. I got the family over to uh, where my car was, and I had them all get on their knees. And I told them when, when the police start showing up, screaming and hollering, just do everything they said. I didn't want any accidents at that point. And they all sat there on their knees, and they put their hands over their face because just knowing that cops responding to an active shooting is right great potential for accidents. So. Everybody's going to be amped up. They don't know who the good guy is. They don't know who the good guy is. They don't know what's going on anymore than I did when I first rolled up. So I I just wanted to put them in a place. And and, uh, once, uh, and I had to direct them in from to go around back through Bertram to come down 1174 because I didn't want them coming this way and creating a crossfire. So I'd purposely directed all the units to come back around and through the back way. And they come up behind me that way. While I was waiting for them, there was another gentleman, a couple gentlemen that actually stopped on the side of the road. There was a little frustration right there. You know, you're feeling pretty alone at that moment and like you need right. help. And I tried to flag down a couple cars that were driving by and they didn't stop. That's kind of a sinking <laughs> feeling like, damn, I can't even get any help here, you know. Um, but there was finally somebody that, that stopped and said, hey, I got a gun in my car. And I said, well, let's, it was an older gentleman. He probably had to be late 70s, early 80s. And, you know, he made me want to cry when he showed up because I thought, wow, here's somebody that's willing to help. And and I said, well, just let's just leave the gun in the car for now. And thank you so much for stopping, you know. Um, So please show up. How long did it take for somebody to show up? 19 minutes. 19 minutes. Which is an absolute eternity. The shooting itself probably was 5 to 10. Um, And then the waiting in the darkness was, you know, much longer right as soon as dps got there um i stepped aside and kind of went behind their car um, my legs were shaking so bad at that point that i thought was adrenaline but you know when you're doing you're walking around like a duck hiding behind a car believe it or yeah. not for you do that for about 20 minutes that's a pretty good workout yeah, so yeah it's quite work my, my legs hurt pretty <laughs> bad the next couple of days but um yeah in the end i think I think the guy got hit twice. So he, got, he, he was in his foot, I think. And he was shot twice by you. Yeah. And that was what, 90 feet in the dark? It was, with a they handgun. said 60 yards. Wow. They said 60 yards. Seems I'm further. still kind of in disbelief of that because it didn't feel that far away. But when you're in those situations, everything zooms in. You're, it's amazing what your body does to. Now, in hindsight, here here's the story that I say thank you Jesus. A few months before that, maybe a month, month and a half, we did training. I think it was just APD. I don't believe you were out there, but we did two different series of ambush training, right? Here's the scenario. As you're driving around, this is what they made us go through. They had bad guys as actors. They had bad guys that had simulation guns that they shot at you and everything else. The, the whole point of this is, is you're driving along, you come up to a stoplight, and this was the training. Um, the bad guy gets out of the car, turns and starts shooting at you. Does that sound familiar? Absolutely. Now, this particular scenario, you're supposed to get out, return fire. And we had a series of the way we exited the vehicle and different points where we shot, which I kind of duplicated. Um, now, in this particular scenario, I messed it up so bad, like it's probably worst, the worst training mess up I think I've ever had, okay? Number one, there's an instructor in the back seat of the car that's watching what you do, right? I think the first mistake would be, you know, they watch how you draw your gun, you're supposed to do all these things specific ways to you don't shoot yourself in the legs and all this stuff. Well, 
step one was, you know, you, you pull your gun out, you're supposed to unbuckle yourself. Um, at some point during that procedure, I, I somehow, the simunition guns are quite expensive training <laughs> equipment. I somehow hit the gun and released the magazine just enough to where the gun didn't work, okay? So as the bad guy's coming to me, just putting rounds in different spaces, I'm trying to shoot back and I realized crud. Um, and about that time when I look at my weapon, the, the, the magazine just falls right out onto the floorboard, <laughs> right? So oops, number one, yeah. right? So oops, number two is I get out of the car and I'm thinking I'm still good. I'm running to the back of the car because you got to get off the X, get off that driver's seat. So I'm like, I'm not going to sit here and die. I'm getting out the seat and I'm running to the back of the car. Oops, number two. Um, the car was not in park <laughs> at that point in time. So it kept it rolling. A great though, it nice. kept rolling while I'm trying to get back to it. Um, my partner gets out and he just runs to a better cover position. <laughs> this guy's dangerous. Disappeared. <laughs> Thank you, Lonnie, if you're listening to this. Thank you, Lonnie. Um, at that point, I then take the second magazine I have, I insert it into the gun with such force that it then comes apart and bullets just fall apart everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and at this point, I just hold up the gun and look at the instructor and I just went, I'm dead. I threw the gun at him. <laughs> big, big, big mistake, right? That one got me in front of my sergeant with a little bit of uh, disciplinary review because they don't appreciate when you they throw their expensive equipment onto the ground, okay? So, Royal screw up. I think I got a trophy for that one, some sort of award for my team for screwing it up so oh, bad, right? Yeah, well done award. Yeah, yeah well done, whatever it was. <laughs> I, but yeah, between the disciplinary thing with the sergeant and just the pure embarrassment of how bad I messed everything up, right? Um, well, you obviously learned enough to... A team environment can be pretty ruthless. like. He can probably explain to you that they're not going to let you live that down. Yeah. They're not going to let you live it down. So I heard about it for weeks, right. weeks afterwards. And what did I do being, a, you know, a bit of an egotistical person myself is I mentally rehearsed that scenario over and over and over again in my head. I couldn't tell you a single other thing we trained on that day, but I remembered that to the point of click, park, you know, do everything I had it mentally rehearsed it over and over and over again to where it's like I am never screwing that up again right, right? thank you lord because then when it counted I didn't screw it up right that's what matters I didn't screw it up so it's funny how those failures in life is sometimes the good lord teaching you and if I hadn't have failed that I don't think I'd have paid that close of attention to it that's right ever again I just went alright done that let's move on to the next one right 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 and so you were in a. So that one still gives me a little bit of wheelies. Not only, know? not only, like you say, did you have that providence of you know, well, I thought I, I really screwed it up, but what really happened was I got the training that I needed. He put it on my mind heavy, until I, I, I made sure I wasn't ever going to mess that up again. And, and then, then put then you in the right place at the right time. Had you not been where you were. Right. Um, there could have been some some loss of life and some in the middle stuff of nowhere in the dark. In the, right. You know, it's just think about the wow factor of all that coming together. You know, it's hard not to think it's just a coincidence. I don't buy that for one no minute. Thing. No such thing. I don't buy it for a minute. You know. So, right. Jason, what was the what was the total of everything? So, you, what was the outcome of that incident just right there in the everybody lived. Everybody lived. Everybody yeah, my lived. bad guy lived. I think he, you didn't get shot. Nope. And I, I, I call. I make the joke. I'm in the no holes club. It's good. And I like to stay in it. Everybody wants know? to stay in that one. Um. Yeah. What, what happened to the bad guy? Uh, bad guy went to jail. Still, according to him, has no memory of it. Had had enough damage to his head that had no memory. Now, he had a pretty nasty concussion, from what I understand. And he has never stood trial because he's not fit to. He's he's not ever coming back to join the reality. I don't believe. Okay. Um, and is in a in a mental facility, and, and I'm not so sure that there wasn't something there before. But yeah. 
So if I can interject right here, you know, people think, oh, you know, you you got into this incident, and first off, you, you didn't choose to be there, right? You, you you had no idea that that was coming around the bend, and when it did, you, you acted because it's what you felt was the right thing to do, which it was the right thing to do, and then you have the initial incident. You have the, the initial 20, 25 minutes of hell that are that are occurring where you're trying to keep a family alive, trying to keep yourself alive, and you're trying to keep uh, other people uh, drivers down the road that have no idea what's going on that are driving right through the middle of the scene who are going to catch around somewhere because we know that's how things work a lot of times somebody's just somewhere they shouldn't be and, they, and something bad goes down so you have all that excuse me you have all that and you handled it perfectly that went well um i, I i've never i've talked to lots of people that were there and nobody had anything negative to say about that incident at all but there's always the second incident the, the the issues that come with all this stuff, which is some of the stuff you've had to deal with, the lack of support from um, agencies, the lack of help from others that maybe didn't understand what you're going through, and then the amount of healing it took for you to come out of that. Because I mean, the guy didn't die. No. But but people think that you know no, a, but a cop wants to go out and just shoot somebody. They have no idea I, I, how much trouble comes. I with fired that. enough rounds. I was I reloaded at one point just right. just to uh, tactical reload. Basically, um, felt like I'd fired a lot. I had a lull. Let's reload and be ready. Right. Um, as far as I know, I didn't put any bullets in that family's vehicle, which was my big fear. Right. Um, because like I said, I thought he'd shot somebody in the passenger seat because the door was open. Turns out that was uh, them getting out. That was Mama yeah. <laughs> escaping in a hurry, and the, their son. And, and a, you know, a side note: my wife was actually outside, and this is uh, during this incident, and heard it. And when I called her, or she called me on the phone, one of the two things happened. We argue about that: who called who. But <laughs> I said, you know, I've been in a shooting, and I'm okay. Um, she didn't connect the dots that that was what she was hearing while she right. was outside ambulance shows up out in front of my house that's how close we were they were staging for the scene to be safe they could then go in right, right. my wife's outside and they tell her to go back inside the house there was a gunman on the loose and so my wife and son you know were arming up back in the house getting ready for None of this connected, though. She, you know, when I said I've been in shooting, she's thinking oh, I'm in Austin. She's like, I'm going to one up you, Dallas, San Antonio. There's no telling. <laughs> you know, we never right. seem to stay in one spot. Right. So, um, but yeah, it wasn't until my sergeant came to the door to knock that she, it hit her, that right. that was what she was hearing. Um, so that was, you know, something that obviously this is every wife's worst nightmare. Um, yeah, I can hear you sniffling over there. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. It's hard for everybody to go through it again. It's hard to listen to. But it's, I can honestly even... say, you know, there's a bunch of arguments out there of, you know, I went through a lot of treatment, EDMR, um, some great therapists, top in their field. Tanya Glenn is, is amazing. And there's still an argument out there where you can be cured from it. And it's actually something I was diagnosed with severe PTSD. Um immediately approved by the department to go on workman's comp although i never missed a, a day um the uh research they show now they can actually do scans and see it it's a physical you know thing that happens to your brain during all that and of course my my heart rate was at 200 my blood pressure was uh 250 over 200 so they did take me to the hospital that night because they couldn't get it down. They thought I was going to stroke out, which is why police officers probably bleed to death when they get shot. In yeah, a little, you're right. Psh, you know, you're sprung right. a leak and there it goes. You know. Right. Um, so yeah, it's a, it was not a not a fun experience. It's not a fun to sit and think about uh, the amount of emotions I went through in that little short time period was crazy. You know, right. it's like the, from anger to. Uh, to fear you know just i'm still scared of the dark and i was like <laughs> yeah. you know i and i also joke about you know god's got a sense of humor because you know he gives me an incident makes me scared of the dark 
and uh, then he gives me cataracts that kills my night vision. So, right. you know, it's like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> so whenever they ask me if I want to work night shift, I'm like, mm, right. nah. I think I'm gonna... So you, you, had, you had a lot of, you know, secondary issues that came with that, right? And it's not, it wasn't just you. I mean, you've got a whole family that cares yeah. about you that are, that are riding the roller coaster yeah. with you. You get stuck. Um, they send you home and they tell you to wait there and you're just sitting there with nothing to do but think about what's happened. You don't sleep the first 48 hours. And then even your friends who want to come console you or come check on you. I wouldn't want to talk to anybody. They told me I couldn't even talk can't to come my out. wife, which is like going to Disney World. All any, any, any cop wants to do after something like that is talk about it. Right? right. That's that's instant. So it's like go to Disney World, ride all the roller coasters, keep your mouth shut, don't say anything about it. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's the comparison, right? In extremes, but like you just read this roller coaster. What do you do the minute you get off? You right. want to talk about it like, oh my God, that one part was so scary. You know, right? That's right. just human nature. And to say no, don't talk to anybody. So then I spent two months sitting at my house reading every book I could read on, trying to figure out what what was going on. Uh, I can't even describe the weird. Uh, the weird mix of emotions. Now, the therapy treatment, of course, after about six months, I think they finally put me on some pretty heavy uh, antidepressants because I was having physical problems that I was not realized was all connected to my head. Um, irritability, just, you know. And some of that stuff, you know, there's there's two camps. There's people that believe that they can fix it, right? That with the proper treatment, it goes away. But it doesn't... 100% go away. Even those people will agree that this there's the perspective change for me was probably the equivalent to having my first child. And if you could relate to that, the change in perspective you have when you have your first child is the world suddenly gets different, right? Right. Because your whole meaning in life has changed. I'm now living for that beautiful little child. Um, it's the same thing. For me, that's how much of a change of perspective I've had of what's important, not important, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, that that probably hurt me a little bit with work because I've just, there's, there's a, uh, you know, I can talk for hours about all this stuff, but there's a, there's a frustration with everybody else not understanding. Does right. that make sense? Right. Um, really shut up you don't know you don't get it you know what yeah. i'm saying it's just they they don't know what what you're going through and so and not being able to 100 percent explain it yourself um you know after i honestly say that i probably within the last year really felt like i'm back to where i was before i mean it's been a three year and i, I heard that from other people that it can be years before you feel completely and i still got my moments right honey <laughs> yeah, where I just get the 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 thing that I feel like, and, and like I said, I've had a lot of time to analyze this stuff in my my own brain and analyze it. Is the the doom and gloom stuff is the worst. That's what takes you and makes you depressed. Um, so, and what causes it could be anything on that day, anything that makes you think, "Wow, that person's horrible." That's this world we live in is horrible, which we all go through some of, right? But it just gets you know, I explained it to a pastor. It's like there's a darkness that touches you, and you, then you're just infected, and you can't seem to get it out. You know, right. um, I can't describe it any other way. It's just I felt it that night. I yeah. You know, and there's still times where it reaches out and goes, "I'm still here." You know, and it just takes you down into that kind of depression for a little bit. You know. Um, but. It was hard. It was hard to watch you go through it. And like I said, we it's not like we could have uh, come out and hung out with you or something or, or saw how you were doing. We couldn't go to your house. We couldn't couldn't talk to you. When I talked to you on the phone, that was the last time I saw you for, or last time I talked to you for, I don't yeah. know how long. Yeah. It was a while. And then, of course, the, my immediate supervisor didn't get it and bugged no, me constantly. No, they, no they, don't, <laughs> they don't get it. And, and it's funny because they gave you such a hard time about it to the point that they were trying to push you out yeah. and had just about succeeded. And then, and then they all had to eat crow because uh, you got the highest award 
yeah. uh, handed out by the, the very agency. next day after the very I turned in day. my stuff. Yeah, I turned in my stuff, and the very next day I got a call and almost didn't answer it because I was yep. like, you know, talk to these guys. F you, <laughs> I <laughs> want to talk to you. Um, they called you up and told you, hey, guess what? Uh, they had to eat a lot of crow on that one and invite you to Washington to to give you an award. Yeah, that was kind of the highlight of the whole experience. Was yeah. I saw, I saw a lot of laughing coming from you at that point. That was good. Oh, yeah, because it was kind of like last laugh. I got well, the, but all that stuff now is just, you know, there, it's a bitter pill, but it was, you know, I think for the better in the most part. Um, I definitely had to get away from the agency I was working for, just the, the politics and everything else was not helping. Right. Um, because that frustration of you don't understand and do you realize I, what I just went through and what I've sacrificed for this agency and then y'all can't right. appreciate, you know. Out the door. See you later. Yeah. You're too um, much trouble for us to deal with. <laughs> I don't even want, yeah. Yeah, we won't, we won't go down that way. That's, that's a whole other yeah, horrible go. episode that we don't want to have. Um, so very good. You know, Jason, Jerry and I, we got all the J's today. Um, we typically, and I know you've watched some of the shows on the podcast, you know, we're typically doing some positive thing, trying to give people some stuff, some tips in life to, you know, to be better, do better, feel better. And somebody out there right now is listening and has had a major traumatic experience in their life. What would you say was some of the most helpful things you did? And once again, we're not doctors, we're not prescribing nothing, but just what worked for you? Uh, I didn't suck it up anymore. I tried for six months. Yeah. <laughs> I tried for six months, it didn't work. Um, gotta ask for help. Gotta ask for help. I understand if you don't wanna talk to your employer, I wouldn't recommend that. Um, we're still not there yet, I think. Um, and now they're talking about red flag laws, which I, I just, I think is going to discourage soldiers and police officers from going and getting help. Yeah, maybe so. Um, Because if you're going to get flagged and you can't do your job anymore, that's what every officer feels. just took their livelihood away. But there is is some good agencies out there, um, federal and state, that have good programs to to help. Um, What you don't want to do is start drinking, start doing it. You know, you got to go talk. You got to go talk to somebody. Um, If you don't feel comfortable with your own, agencies resources then go find one on your own and eventually that's what i did i I didn't feel comfortable with some of the people i was talking to because it it didn't feel confidential to me right so right um okay so talk get the help talk get the help um sometimes the the meds help for that (laughs) till you get the get the treat the symptom until you get better um I'm not a big fan of taking any sort of medicine for any length of time because you just never know what it might be doing to you, you know. Right. Um, so I was always working towards, even with high blood pressure and stuff, I've, I've, I've managed, I went before the shooting, had no pills I took daily, to eight pills I took daily. And yeah. I, I can't I can't say with any certainty it's all connected, but I, just in my heart I feel like right. it is. It's, you know, it, it changed me physically to the point, uh, you know, I couldn't relax for six months you know right um that's bound to have take a toll on your body eventually when you just can't you can't get out of that right fight or flight so your anxiety levels are so high you know um before that i don't think i ever had any you know i would say nervous but i never had anxiety and I, i describe anxiety as something that just hits you for no unexplainable reason right like get nervous before you walk on stage is explainable but to be walking in a room or sit down in a restaurant and just get flooded with that right. super, you know, that that's Tremendous the kind of thing fear. that, that uh, gets, a, gets old. Um, with me, as far as triggering things, I had, uh, I think the best way to describe it is, is uh, um, intrusive memories, put it that way. Intrusive memories aren't that big a deal. We all have them. Like you, you smell something, reminds you of right. your childhood. Something triggers you. You see that, or takes you, in a, and, it, and it would just kind of take you out of the reality. It takes you deep enough in thought that you don't kind of pay attention to what's going around you. It's not like you're going somewhere else. You just. Right. Um, but when you have them, related multiple an hour, they get to be. And here's the difference: when it's a traumatic memory, there's also the emotion that hits you with the memory. All right. So you get that fear you get that 
upset, that anger, whatever it is right. that hits you along with that. And, and that's really what the treatment I went through, uh, EDMR, uh, it kind of reprocesses that memory to where they still happen. Um, you know, obviously I, I don't have them that much anymore, but, um, but the emotion is not there, the, right. the, the kind of crippling emotion right. that's attached with it. So you still may have the memory, but right. it's more just something I can talk about. So, you know, in, in general, like I said, most people didn't have the privilege of watching you from the outside like I did and uh, over those, those few years. And I don't think the general public recognizes the collateral damage that's done. And just kind of like I started off saying in the beginning, they don't realize the toll on your family and on you and that you're still paying for it to this day. Um, and it's, that's the thing they talk about, the sacrifices that, that firefighters, EMS, we all go through it. Um, you know, I'm 30 years this month. You can't do that kind of time and not have, you know, I can name off you know, children suicides, children drowning, right. you know, being shot at more than once, um, right. being stabbed once, you know, well, there's you, a, you, lots of horrible stories and you yeah. start piling all those up. If you're not talking to somebody, yeah, they add up. it's going to add up and it's right. going to come whack you in the back of the head someday. And that's right. kind of what happened to me. That was the final, there was the stuff there. I recognize it in reverse now. Right. And I can see it in other people's now that I understand it, that that grumpy old cop that we've all come across at some point in time right that guy's just done you yeah. know he's just done and and those are the people we need to stop you know that sacrifice we all think about the one that lost their life but not the ones that they're still are surviving. still living the surviving and victims. they're still suffering yeah. you know right you um, know for me it was always the uh, the transmission fluid and and sometimes airbags it was always the yeah, smell that something I would that get. something triggers yeah, yeah. I can't stand the smell of blood anymore, and I'm yeah. not sure when that came along. But yeah, the that coppery, irony smell yeah. just yep. yeah, it, it gets me. You know, very good. Um, what else you got for this guy? Just appreciate everything that he does. Yeah, I do appreciate it, Jason. That's 30 years is pretty incredible, and uh, I appreciate you helping me when we work together. Um, I appreciate you being on the show and being vulnerable for a minute because this is. Like I said, somebody will benefit from this. Somebody's going to hear it, this, and if it and helps, that's that's the big part. Is, is absolutely. Uh, man, there's just too many of us out here that are willing to listen. Right. Too many, I and mean, there's a ton of them. I run across people all the time. Retired. There's a ton of retired officers in this community that will open their door and sit down and, and listen to anything. If you don't want to talk to somebody a professional, then just just talk with somebody. Right. You know? Right. Don't hold that stuff in. Don't suck it up. It just does, trust me, your body will let you know. I had horrible back pain. Um, I had uh, diarrhea for six months straight. There were some comical stories in there for that, but <laughs> we won't discuss that today. Um, Maybe on another show. Maybe another day. It, yeah, and the crazy part is like the minute I started taking antidepressants, it all went away. It was just my body could not relax physically, mentally, no matter how hard I tried. Physically, my body was right. so tightened up that it was still in fight or flight mode for that long. Not just and I that. just couldn't get, it wouldn't let go. You, you know, know, guys being guys, I remember being made fun of <laughs> on a pretty regular basis for that stuff. But nobody, Because I can at make time, fun of, the, of myself right. pretty well, so. Right. Nobody at that time was really putting it together, no. you know, and they didn't understand. But no. like I said, that's, that's the thing about even cops. They don't, they don't know if they've never been through it. They don't, they don't know. And that's where you end up. Jason, look, man, I'm, I'm glad you came in today. I know I've been haggling you to come tell the story for a while, and I know it's hurtful to say it. It's hurtful to bring it up. Uh, it's hurtful for your for your wife to I listen to you bring it, it up. Well, and I feel like it's been the center of the universe for the last few years, and I'm just I'm at a point where right. it's like I don't want it to define me anymore. Right. And I don't want that to be my only story. Yep. You know, there's more to life, and and uh, I'm I'm very much focused on what's next and you know, join time with my family, um, becoming a super, superstar skater, because that's, that's true. That's you a big are, goal for me right now. If you happen to be in uh, Marble Falls, <laughs> almost any night of the week, you can go to you the renowned up. putters and gutters and find yes. the dancing queen, Jason, yes. uh, putting eight wheels to fire. My, I'm getting my spins <laughs> down. I, I'm getting my moves down. There's well, going to be a jam good. skating soon. I just, I, I want to see the jumpsuit. Or whatever, it is. and my heart Ooh, doctor. Nice. 
Yeah, my heart doctor also says it's great exercise. 600 calories an hour. It's the same as rowing or jogging. I don't care about the health. So an hour and a half of skating that I'm having a blast. Sweaty sequence. Is getting me healthier. Feathers. Healthy movement. Leather tethers on the arms. Ooh, man. I want to split. I want to cut my jeans down the side. Nice. And then sew some different material in there and make them... The, the giant 70s bell bottoms. I heard one of your partners was over there skating with you and was wearing some shorty shorts. Was that, is that true? I don't know. I'm not going to mention his name because. Yeah, I don't think I don't. I don't. I didn't even know. So. I didn't even know oh, you owned shorty shorts, J. Rob. I don't know what. <laughs> I can whip out bus. some pictures of my bicycle patrol days. There yeah. was some short shorts. No doubt. No doubt. A lot of leg. A lot of leg going on. But my legs looked a lot better then, too, so they weren't chickeny. You know, my, they filled out the shorts instead of, you know, looking like a skirt. Well, so. it happens. It happens. We get old. Well, very good. So, Jason, thanks for being here. I do appreciate it. Um, if you guys want to catch us on the web, you can find us at Synergistic Strategies, or Synergistic Strategies.com, and uh, that's where we do a lot of our uh, well-being, healthiness, stuff like that. Work on mind shift, mindset change, and uh, we would love to talk to you about what your goals are. Reach us there. And then if you'd like to get a hold of Jerry and I, we're always at uh, Jerry and J. Rob, covered all at gmail.com. And uh, we would love to hear what you have to tell us, whatever it is, even if it's goofy or you hate us or we suck or whatever it is. That's fine, too. Uh, maybe you got there. some ideas for for the show. Yeah, the maybe you've got a maybe or? you've got somebody that's got a great story to tell. We would love to put them on. Um, other than that, anything coming up? Nope, nope, no. not for a little bit. Just trying to stay cool. That's Just it. Trying to stay cool. That's it's a full time job. It's very difficult right now. <laughs> very good. You guys have a great day, and uh, thanks for tuning into this guy. See you next time.